Uh, g'day everyone and welcome to round 18 of the weekend wrap brought to you by Crowcast. Uh, a little bit late this week due to unforeseen circumstances but we've got tons to talk about uh, with a few developments today uh, with the Crows so why don't we just crack straight into it and uh, take it from there. G'day everyone and welcome to round 18 of the Weekend Wrap, the final edition of the Weekend Wrap for the regular season. But we're not going anywhere, we're going to be with you all throughout the uh, finals campaign and uh, following the draft and trade talk, whatever that might uh, end up being, who knows. Joining me tonight is Nikki. How are you going, Nick? I'm going very well for a Tuesday night. For a Tuesday night, that's good. It's uh, a bit of deja vu. <laughs> yeah, it is a bit, isn't it? It's back uh, a bit old school. I must apologise to you, Nick, as well, because uh, because Mac is not here and uh, your face, well, Mac's face <laughs> is over your name, so I'll just quickly swap that over because I'd hate to <laughs> offend. I'd hate to offend Nat Macca by, uh, you know. <laughs> yeah, definitely. He would be offended. Yeah, so there we go. Uh, speaking of Macca, he's... Uh, Maybe around. He's got a bit on uh, in his world at the moment, so uh, he may or may not be with us. But uh, if he doesn't end up joining us, Nick, I'm sure that we'll be able to hold the fort. There's plenty to talk about. And welcome to everyone who has joined us in the chat because uh, Tuesday night uh, is not the usual night for uh, the weekend wrap, so it's good to see those joining us on Discord and also on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. Don't forget, Nikki. What do you do if you want to join us on Nikki? On on Nikki. What do you, <laughs> I don't know whether that you was appropriate. Do that. I don't know whether that was appropriate. What do you do if you want to join us on Discord, Nick? <laughs> you download Discord for starters. Well, well, you don't have to. That's the thing that you don't. Oh, okay, have that's to. even better. <laughs> you just go to aflcrowcast.com. You go to the live chat menu item. You follow your nose. <laughs> You joined. How many times have I said this, Nick? My God. No, I think that tells you that I kind of zone out at the start. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> um, yeah. So, look, you just go to, go to aflcrowcast.com, follow your nose on the live chat page. You'll be able to join our Discord channel without even having to have Discord. It's amazing. And the link to the uh, audio feed is on that page as well, so you can listen in while you're chatting. What more could you ask for, Nikki? Nothing, Nothing, apparently. Nothing, that's right. So, uh, without further ado, and no more messing about, why don't we <laughs> quickly... Oh, shit, I haven't even got that set up. Yes, I do. Uh, why don't we quickly just have a brief look at um, at the weekend's results, because uh, whilst we're out of the picture, there's still a bit of footy going on, and I guess we should bloody talk about it, shouldn't we? Ah, oh, Possibly. Uh, a couple of interesting results. Uh, so let's start off at the very beginning. And uh, on... When was it? When did we start? Thursday night. 
West Coast making hard work of their win over North Melbourne, uh, getting up 7-7-49 to the Roos 4-10-34. Um, half the team that played against West Coast and half the coaching staff and probably half the club are no longer with North Melbourne after that game because <laughs> they just culled oh. the shit out of the whole thing. Um, but they probably needed to, so that's all right. West Coast sewing up a, uh, a home final uh, with that, uh, although not but- making the top four. Yeah, they, they did the normal thing of, oh, if they have to travel over to Queensland, it takes them about half a game to three quarters before they finally remember what football is yeah. and start playing it. Yeah. They're, I don't know how they're going to deal with a uh, final in Brisbane, to be honest with you, but I guess they've got to get there first. Um, Friday night, uh, St Kilda doing what they needed to do against probably the most disappointing team of the season, the GWS Giants. Um, St Kilda just cleaning them up 12 10 to the Giants, 3-12-30, a margin of 52 points. And good to see St Kilda back in finals action. Good for their supporters. Yeah, and it's great for that club. Um, I've been watching them over the past couple of years, seeing what they've been building. They've got a great little set of youngsters um, coming through there as well. And they play a really nice, exciting brand of footy. Mm. Mm. Yeah, they do. They do. Probably lacking a little bit of class for mine to go too deep. But great to see yeah. them back in there Agreed. and something to build on for that club over the next, uh, you know, two to three years. Uh, Saturday threw up some interesting results. Uh, Melbourne doing what they had to do, although in the end it was fruitless, but uh, 10-8-68 to Essendon, 7-7-49, a margin there of 19 points. Uh, that win just capping, capping off uh, uh, an almost season for Melbourne. They'd be, they'd be very disappointed not to make the finals, I reckon, Melbourne. Um, and on the other side of the coin, Essendon, uh, look like they're imploding a bit. Very interesting, and with Westfold going and Rutten takes over, so it's going to be quite interesting what happens with them next year, but I agree that by the sounds of it, they're imploding quite dramatically. And on the flip side, Melbourne done enough to keep Goodwin in a job. Just, just, I reckon. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, their off season is going to be interesting. They got Jack Viney on uh, free agency. Uh, looks like Tom McDonald's out the door. Um, uh, this was about uh, one or two coming in uh, to that team. Uh, Benny Rutten, though, for the Bombers, he's got his work cut out. Johnny Worsfold has not left that club in good nick. And um, no, uh, by design or just by... Uh, I mean, I think they made a terrible mistake by not playing Bell Chambers in a dead rubber for them. I don't know why they wouldn't play Tom Bell Chambers in that last game, but it seems to have caused a bit of unrest. Yeah, and apparently, because um, we're listening to it on the drive um, back from supercars, that they were talking about how, you know, there were a lot of tears and... Looked like it was a bit of a loving going in and at the end of yeah. that game. Yeah. Um, they also, uh, they've culled five, in, in, including uh, Sean McKernan, who I thought was a little bit stiff. He wasn't uh, worse tall, uh, I didn't think. Um, a couple of others rumoured to be um, exploring options. So, you know, uh, that club has not really recovered from its indiscretions of a few years ago. And you would think that maybe it's a bit of an Adelaide situation for Essendon where until that whole squad uh, and associated people are cleared out, they're not going to be able to turn it around. And maybe this is the start. And Ben Rutten, I think, 
uh, it'll be a measure of him as a coach to uh, navigate this little baptism of fire, I think. Um, apart from our game on the Saturday, we also had Brisbane getting up, uh, not quite convincingly, I didn't think, over Carlton, 11-12-78, Carlton 10-1-61, a margin there of 17 points. Um, Brisbane probably mastering the conditions a little bit better in the end, I think. Um, but I would say probably the least convincing of the top four prospects, would you think? They've kind of, to me, stumbled towards the end. Yeah. Their forward line's a bit dysfunctional, I think. It's kind of in or out. Yeah, and the problem they've got is that forward line has always been accurate. Mm. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, not convinced. Uh, I think... Playing up there will probably help them through to the second, you know, the third round of... I mean, they should hit a preliminary, um, but I don't don't think they're going to uh, be too much of a threat. Uh, Sunday, we had uh, Hawks getting up over the second most disappointing team of the year, apart from us, and that's the Suns. Hawks 17-6-108 to the Suns 8-9-57. A margin there of 51 points. Uh... What do you say about the Suns? Really, what do you say about the Suns? And g'day, Macca. Howdy. Finally got there. I, the gremlins have uh, made my shortcut disappear, and I've eventually figured out how to get in here. So uh, uh, I am either a genius or I fluked it. Uh, either way, mate, it's good to have you in. Good to have you in. Thank you. Um, um, yeah, well, I just did yeah. what you say about the Suns. Um, they do this every year, though, mate. They start off the season and they... They look like they're going to be okay, and they turn into a bag of shit at the end. Yeah, I don't know what's going to have that. to happen at that. I don't know what's going to happen at that club, Bulldog Club, that franchise. Um, uh, they lack lack any sort of resilience, in my view, and a, a bit like the GWS syndrome. Hey, eh, Nick, they they don't really have a heart, so um, no. I don't know what's going to happen. Anyway, yeah, and we'll that's move on a real, from that. really good point you make about those two clubs. They, yeah, they just don't have a fold. Yeah, when the chips are down, uh, and we've been able to pinpoint it over the last couple of years with GWS, when the chips are down, they don't have another gear to go to. Uh, Geelong, on the other hand, uh, did find a gear and got over Sydney ten nine sixty nine to nine nine sixty three. Not terribly convincing by the Cats, but I think they've just tailed off over the last couple of weeks, and I wouldn't mind betting they're being trained on a bit. Uh, because their previous four weeks were very powerful. So I'm not writing off the uh, the Cats, even though they've just sort of slipped into fourth position. Well, yeah, I was going to say, I caught the end of that game and it just looked like Sydney tired. And that was the only reason yeah. Yeah. why Geelong were able to get away with it. Yeah, and a couple of old heads like Ablett you know, did some uh, pretty good things at the end. Uh, so, But I, I do think... Geelong might be sort of, I'm not cruising, but um, I, I think the players suffer a little bit from that. Uh, we, you know, we're definitely in the final type thing, yeah, I think. Uh, I agree with that. When they, played, when they played Port Adelaide last time, they beat them by 10 goals. Yeah, they belted them. And I think that was, so, their, for them, that was their last meaningful game. And when you think about it, um, you know, the whole home ground advantage of the finals isn't... Uh, isn't that much to play for. So they would have been happy getting into the top four just to give themselves a double chance. Um, And, uh, yeah, I wouldn't write Geelong off by any stretch. 
Um, speaking of not writing them off, the Bulldogs got into the final eight at the expense of Melbourne at the end, 11-8-74 to the Dockers, 6-8-44. Kicked away in the end. It was quite close for the majority of that game. Um, oh, the bullies are making up. They're gallant, but I think they're just making up the numbers, surely. Well described, I think, there, thing. Thanks, mate. And uh, <laughs> last last night, the pair got up over... I, I thought Collingwood were very, very disappointing. I thought they tried, but their lack of system and their lack of structure um, really shone through. The port just were all over them, and it was simply because Collingwood weren't using the ball very well. Um Port crunched them in the midfield uh, in centre clearances and uh, Collingwood had no answers and they didn't really have a system. So comfortable in the end by the power. Again, I can't disagree with what you've said because um, Port Adelaide have got a a game plan and they pretty well stick to it. Um, Collingwood, as you said, they they weren't very systematic the way they played the game at all. And... um, uh, I thought they butchered many, many chances that they had if they had a system. But, uh, yeah. uh, but no, I, I, they're just making up the numbers, Collingwood. Agreed. Nick, did you see that last night? Nope. Well, we'll move no, on. We'll... <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just looked at it and thought, oh, God, this is going to be a port win. <laughs> Easy. It was a, a yeah. very important game for me, though, because uh, that was going to decide whether I won Dream Team or not, and I did. So another Again. Dream Team. Again? Again? What's that, yep. three years in a row, Mac? That is. Wow. Yes. That, I yeah, mean, that... there was 18-team competition, so it was pretty good. Uh, that is but, very uh, impressive. Yep, came over the wet sail and took the grand at the end. Very impressive. Very impressive. Congratulations. Now, listen, there was some talk of a doubleheader grand for all two uh, finals in Adelaide over this uh, first week coming up uh, after or around about the long weekend, but uh, they decided on St Kilda being able to play at the Gabba, uh, not using Metricon, which is probably an indictment on Metricon more than anything else. Um, so the after the, the, the buy, uh, pre-finals buy, we've got Port v Geelong, which will be a belter, I think, on the Thursday night at Adelaide Oval. On the Friday night, we've got Brisbane against Richmond, which I think will give us a very big insight into where Brisbane are at because I think Richmond are, are absolutely cherry ripe at the moment. Uh, and then on the Sunday, we've got the Saints v the Bulldogs. I would personally expect the Saints to get up in that one. And uh, then the West Coast versus Collingwood over in WA. A bit of a tough one. Collingwood aren't going that well. West Coast are not really going that well. Normally you'd say it's over there, but Collingwood travelled to Perth pretty well. So could be the one that might provide an upset, maybe. What do you reckon? Um, it's, a, it's a hard one um, because... Neither side are really travelling at their very, very best. So, but I do think they do. West West Coast grow, they grow another leg when they play on their own ground. They look very, very ordinary when they go to Queensland. So, and I'd be saying West Coast and bye bye Collingwood. Mm. Yeah, probably. I'm with, on, I'm with Macca. Yeah, probably on last night's display, Collingwood would have to improve substantially. I think. Um, ha- yeah, they would. They really would. Yeah. 
not really working it out in the midfield. They got slaughtered in the midfield, and West Coast midfield isn't any slouch either. So, anyway, that's what's that? What's that, what's that, just, uh, what's that young forward of Collingwood's? Um, that very thing. Oh, yeah. He had a very good, good year last year. Oh, Hoskinson. Stevenson. Stevenson. Oh, Stevenson. He. he He's cracking himself out there at the moment. I mean, literally, physically cracking himself, I reckon. Like, what, he's got diarrhoea or...? Well, <laughs> we didn't actually get to see that, but, he, but he's very timid. You but said no physically crapping himself, no so I was just trying to clarify. <laughs> yeah, no, no physicality. Yeah, no, well, I think... Do you know, I, th- I don't want to harp on Collingwood too much, but... Their forward line all of a sudden just doesn't seem to have any potency about it. You know, they keep dragging in Mason Cox for his finals cameo and he's not the answer. And uh, DeGoy seems to have gone a little bit cold. And like you said, Stevenson's been off off the boil for a while. Um, you yeah, see, see, PJ says he's got off-field off issues and that, that may well be right because he's actually very... I, I just couldn't believe how disappointing he was. And I remember he got tackled at one stage and... It, you know, normally they wriggle and, and try to get out of the tackle. He just stood there still and just let them tackle him in, yeah. in the free event. Uh, the other one, uh, Elliot was another one who I thought was disappointing. And Hoskin Elliot, I saw him shirk at least three uh, efforts there, uh, including just not chasing when he needed to chase. So Yes, yeah, the, the old foreskin here, Elliot as I call him. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, he, he was very, very disappointing, wasn't he? And I'll tell you what, I don't know whether you noticed, I don't know whether you stuck around on that telecast long enough to see Buckley in the presser, but yes, he, sounded, he sounded like he was exhausted. Did you, did you pick that up, Mac? I, I thought he was lost, I, you know, in the sense that uh, I was watching him in the box as well. I, he, he looked like, I can't say, can I say it? You know, I'm fucked if I know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's Tuesday night, but, you can but, say it, mate. Okay, well, that, that's what he actually what he looked like. He was thinking, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, look, I don't disagree with that. Uh, but in his presser, the way he was speaking, his speech was slow and almost slurred. And I thought, God, mate, you're either exhausted or you're on you're on a downer or something's going on. It just didn't sound right. So, I, I yeah, I, I probably got along with you guys, Collingwood, out in the first week. Anyway, we got bigger fish to fry, Macca. And uh, on Saturday, I thought even though... I thought the scoreline flattered Richmond in the end. I thought we didn't deserve a 44-point margin in the end. Richmond getting up no. 12-5-77 to Adelaide 4-9-33. As I said, a margin of 44 points. But we were in it for a long time. Uh, and uh, I don't think against probably... Most people's flag favourite. I don't think we were disgraced whatsoever with that performance. I saw the game in uh, two halves. And the first half, um, if I remember rightly, was something like about three, three, four to six goals, something, something along yep. that line. Yep. Um, but I thought that we had uh, opportunities that we absolutely destroyed that should have been goals. Mm. And I think... We should have actually gone in with maybe a one to two goal lead at half time, and, and that's pretty good against a team of that quality. And mm. I thought our midfielders at that stage were doing uh, reasonably well, and there was a and the way we moved the ball in was was not too bad. Um, but after half time, they did definitely got on. They took us by the scruff of the neck after half time, and our defenders were working overtime to keep them out. Um, 
and they definitely dominated that second half. We we brought the pressure that I wanted to see, and we lost, which is what I wanted to happen. Well, um, you're on both counts, there, Nick. <laughs> um, but what I also, I mean, it's not a good thing, but I liked it in a way was the fact that our midfield actually did get their asses kicked in that centre bounce. They did. Because they went they back did. they went back to not moving and oh, they got Nikki, shown you are a good a judge. midfield that would just run at you the ball. You are a good like, judge. I've actually And, and that's what I that's what I wanted to see because mm. we've had three great games. Yep. But we still have problems, and what it does is, yes, we finished off the season fairly well, but we've still got things to work on, and that's our main problem. Yep. I, um, you've preempted some video that I'm going to show a little bit later. Yay! Um, and it's the first, I think it's five <laughs> Senate contests, and uh, it's an absolute stark difference to what we've seen over the last month from the Crows. A stark yep. difference. And it seemed to me... It seemed to me that um, our midfielders um, conceded, basically. They conceded that they weren't going to be uh, as intense as Richmond. They conceded that they weren't going to be cl- uh, first to contest uh, as much as Richmond. And so they went back to that bloody scragging crap. And they didn't follow their players through the contest. They didn't stay in the contest nope. long enough. And Richmond would just those first five contests in the first quarter, um, and I could have, I could have gone through the whole bloody thing, but I didn't need to because the, those first couple of contests set the tone, and um, uh, that was it. So I'll show those a little bit later when we get to uh, get to that part. But Nikki, uh, excellent observation in my view. Um, and, and just one other thing, Richmond most coffee. definitely have been don't have been coffee. to the Clarkson. Um, school because our players, were, our players were very much getting, um, particularly Shoal, 20 metres off the ball, they were dropping him to make sure he couldn't get to any contests. Oh, yeah. They, they were playing quite physical. But, yeah, 20 metres off the ball is a free kick. Oh, yeah, so well, so throwing the ball in a tackle. All no, throwing the ball 20... in a bloody tackle, for God's sake. Incorrect disposal. I nearly punched someone, but I was hit by myself. <laughs> Although McPherson's tackle on Martin was a thing of beauty. Yeah, well, that's people are starting to cotton on to Martin now, and that's the way to do it. You grab the arm. But how yeah. many times? How many times did? The, and it's not only that they just drop the ball in a tackle and get away with it, but they've actually worked out now that if they get tackled. They can actually manoeuvre their body and shift their momentum such that the ball spills to the advantage of their teammate. So it's almost <laughs> no, like no, no. a pseudo handball. Advantage of their teammate. Yeah. So it's it's a pseudo handball. So and how this has been allowed to creep back into our game, I don't know. It's a blight on the game, and I'm not complaining about the umpiring free kick count because I know we we're, we were up in that regard. But the amount of tackles that we laid that went unrewarded, despite Richmond not disposing of the ball correctly, if if I had to sit down and explain the game to a foreigner, I, I would have been stuffed. I would have just been able to throw my hands up and go, well, I don't bloody know. I wouldn't have been excellent able to explain point. it. Yeah, excellent point. I mean, because of the fact that uh, 
they, 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 the umpires didn't observe the rules in, in you know, 99% of the time. So if, if you were trying to explain that to a foreigner and they say, you know, if you do this, it's for free. Oh, no, yep. it's not, obviously. <laughs> you yep. don't pay it. But, yep. um, you know, we had the Clarkson reaction where they went absolutely stupid with holding the balls. Yeah. Now we've got a situation. Well, you know, the, you know, we tackled Mark, and he and he threw it with with one arm pinned. Yeah. He, he threw it with the other hand. Now anybody could see he had one arm pinned. So yep. how can he have got rid of the ball? It had to be a throw. I know. Ball spilled. Ball spilled three Ball spilled. The umpire was in the perfect position to see it. Perfect position. It was right, right in front of him. He wasn't even five meters away. Yeah, I think that one is the epitome of what's going on at the moment, and I think it's to the detriment of the game because. Um, I mean, there are. I think I don't reckon the rules for football are that hard. Um, it's just the way that they change the interpretation of them. It's it's because the AFL manipulate the rules to provide a quote unquote product. If you go back and watch a go to go and watch a SNFL game on seven mate. I'm not saying that the umpiring in the SNFL is awesome because often it's not great either. But the difference between SANFL umpiring and AFL umpiring is that they are trying to officiate a game of football rather than massage a product, and so you don't get yes. you don't get this rubbish of oh it needs to be a free flowing game and all that sort of stuff. They may they may the umpires may have a bad game, but at least they are trying to officiate a game of football rather than massage a product. And if the AFL keep going like this, they're going to start losing people because it's just. I found it difficult to watch at times, and this is not, I'm not having a rant. It didn't cost us the game or anything like that. And if Richmond can get away with it, just the same as Hawthorne used to get away with it, then good luck to them. Because it's not up to it's it's up to the clubs to play to the whistle. And if they can get away with stuff, go go for it. But it's up to the well, umpiring department and the AFL to preserve the game, and they're just not doing it at the moment. Well, quite, me... quite honestly, they've actually lost me because I used to watch almost every game, every round. This year, no. I've started to watch some games. I get so annoyed at how bad the skills are and how horrible the football is, but also how bad the umpiring is. And somebody who was trained by the SNFL as an umpire, I know what they should be doing mm. and it just frustrates the hell out of me. That well, they're being told to go to the wrong position and they're umpiring not to the rule of law. Well, you know, taking a situation that you were talking, a theme was talking about, uh, manufacturing a product, yeah. no doubt that's correct because uh, there's something that's really bugging me that's just came in the, the last three weeks. I haven't heard any commentator talk about it. But um, say, for example, I'm playing there and I get a free kick and I've been incorrectly tackled, and the ball's just lying next to it. There's no play on or anything like that. Mm. What has happened in the last three weeks? Any old member of the team grabs the ball and plays on with it, uh, not the bloke that the free was against. I'm not talking yep. about in a real flow-on situation. We're talking about where it might have been in a pack and the, yep. the, the come to an absolute halt, and the guy's there is you know, trying to get himself up. And, so, and his teammate just walks across, grabs the ball, and just runs off with it. And it's they called play on. Now, how can he have the ball that's not his free kick? I agree with you, Macca. That has crept in. Uh, it's just, again, like like we were saying, it's just manufacturing a product. It's it's poor umpiring, and the AFL don't seem to care, and uh, it's ruining the game. And I'm with you, Nick. I don't watch very many games anymore. Um, 
that don't involve the crows or at least uh, you know not a blockbuster I'd never sit down and watch uh, like the Western Bulldogs St Kilda game on the weekend there's no way that I'll watch that game because it'll just be you know how Western Bulldogs play they'll just they're, they're very much like Richmond they'll just bloody throw the ball at every opportunity that's true it's true anyway the other thing that really bore, really really gets up my goat just on the umpiring last comment is this uh, uh, 50 metres for being inside the zone I mean mm. seriously so, you know, we've got all these things where people get their heads knocked off, uh, throwing one hand and all the rest of it, and nothing happens. And yet some poor little toddler, somebody toddles past a metre closer than he should have been, and it's a 50-metre penalty. Drives me nuts. agree with you, Macca. There's, uh, there's a ton of stuff that you'd think to yourself, that's just common sense it's just logic why don't they apply logic um but it all gets back down to what they how they want people to perceive the game uh, anyway uh, all let's all bow down to Stephen Hawking because apparently he's the savior but he's really anyway let's get back to the Crows Richmond game and the Crows had 40 more kicks or 33 more kicks or just hang on let me start again 33 more disposals than Richmond um but our handball count was up Again, we're almost one to one. Uh, 157 handballs to 119, uh, whereas we were slightly behind Richmond in kicks, 173 to 177. So, I think I don't know whether you agree. I, my uh, perception was that was uh, indicative of the pressure that Richmond put us under, particularly in the second half. Yeah, I'd say that'd be right. Agree. Um, inside 50, so a very lopsided, very, uh, 34 to 57. Um, uh, no, uh, they burnt the ball quite substantially. I don't think their forward entries were very good. Uh, Dusty Martin had a terrible night for disposal efficiency, and he had a few mates as well. So I don't think they were very efficient going into forward 50, but they certainly got it in there a lot more than what we did. Um, you can see their efficiency, uh, disposal efficiency for the match was under 70, uh, a little bit below their season average. Uh, as I mentioned, their free kick count was heavily in our favour, but uh, it could have been even more in our favour if they'd actually bloody paid things. Uh, stoppage work, Riley O'Brien was a monster once again, but Richmond absolutely read him like a book. They didn't even worry yep. about didn't even worry about their ruckman. They no, just, they did not. They roved to Rob all night, and they made sure they got to the hit zones before we did, and our blokes were slack, I thought, in the yep. middle. Yeah, at this stage, Rob's got uh, only a very limited variety of hit, hit zones. Um, and as you quite rightly said, Richmond didn't even bother one bit what their Ruckman was doing. They would just position themselves and, and or run to where they know that Rob's going to hit it. They'd, they'd obviously studied him pretty well. Or, Can I ask know, a question? People, I just want to ask a question without notice. How the hell did Riley O'Brien not get in the 40-man All-Australian squad? Uh, no idea. No, very good point. Excellent point. He, he deserves to be in there. He's he's been excellent this year, and he'll be our best and best and fairest. And I know, yeah, we're yep. the bottom team, but he has beaten some very good ruckmen this year, uh, and uh, and he, he held his own against the very best. They, they only put two ruckmen in. Yeah, and do you think those ruckmen had better years than than Riley? No. I mean, they didn't name Goldstein either, and he—I think he. And Goldstein, yeah, I would put Goldstein probably actually almost ahead of Riley. 
Yeah, well, I've seen played a badly towards the end of the year, though. I know that because I had him in my dream team. <laughs> So um, he, he had a very good start for the uh, Goldstein, but um, like well, like North Melbourne, he faded badly. He, he didn't have a bad last game, but um, uh, no, I don't think he was all Australian standard. Um, I think in terms of around the ground, I think Riley O'Brien was the best ruckman in the comp. That's my view. Um, I agree. Wasn't, wasn't effective always at stoppage, and that's his primary KPI, I understand. But around the ground, his, his work rate... Uh, his ability to take marks uh, and his ground level work, his clearance work, um, unmatched in the AFL in my opinion, and I really expected him to make the forty man squad, uh, and I think yeah. he deserved to. Anyway, uh, so the only problem I think with him just is he, he looks a little bit unco, um, but he but he his performance uh, is not unco. You know, he just he just hasn't got that polish on him. And, but he's yeah. a, but the but the end result is very, very good. Yeah. Oh, here we go. Vali Mag- Magic's put it up in the chat. So versus other Rackman, first in tackles, first in contested marks, first in intercepted marks, first in pressure acts, fourth in disposals, fifth in hitouts, and fifth in hitouts to advantage. Not bad for a team that finished bottom. Yeah, couldn't couldn't win the forty man squad. Wowzers. Anyway, uh he won the hitouts, thirty two twenty eight. Um clearances uh, we pretty much even, 29-28, but uh, we did lose in the centre clearance and uh, we did claw our way back into it for a little while, but I felt that our clearance work went back to that hat kick out of stoppage and uh, was therefore shallow, out of centre and, and ineffective uh, around the grounds, whereas I felt um, Richmond were far more effective, uh, got more value for their clearances overall. Yeah, I think there's no argument against that. Just you've been very agreeable tonight, mate. Um, well, you've been very, very intelligent tonight, mate. Thank, thanks, mate. <laughs> I'm, on, I'm on my second can, so that's probably why. Uh, contested possessions, 127 to 122. Tuesday night, mind you. Uh, 127 to 122 contested possessions. I think that highlights the fact that there was nothing wrong with our endeavour. I, I felt like we tried our guts out. Um, and uh, we certainly tried to match them around the ground um, in general play, um, but we we lacked the, the class. One ninety to one seventy one uncontested possessions. I think again, uh, you you couple that with the handball count that we had, and I think that's indicative of the fact that we were going sideways and backwards quite a bit um, because Richmond applied a fair amount of frontal pressure. Is that the way you guys saw it? Yeah, very much so. Yeah, no, yes. that, that, Richmond—they are very, very polished team. Very, very. Polished. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say they're polished, Mac. I, I would say they're rabid. Their their pressure yeah. and their intensity is is above any other team. Above Geelong, even. I think Geelong uh, can be very powerful, but Richmond, their pressure is just. Well, well, I suppose you, it's, it's better. Yeah, it's better put than I put it. Yeah. Um, and Nick, it's, what's it's, going on? I'm and not it used is to that, um, the the way that they will they do it in that flow. As soon as there's a sniff of a possibility of a turnover, they just break. Yeah, and, and they're all forward of the of the contest. They all yeah. run forward. They've got such confidence in their teammates' ability to get the ball, and they all know that when when the ball's in dispute. 
very rarely will you see Richmond go backwards out of, out of that disputed situation. It will always go forward. It'll be a, a hat yep. kick or a, a tap on or a, a rushed handball or whatever. It's always going to go forward. So they all just run forward of the contest. Yeah, they do. They, and they're very good at it too. And that's how they get their free players because most other teams are waiting to see which way the ball is going to go. As a 50-50, exactly. they're stuck ball watching. Exactly. Um, but, you know, you've got, to, you've got to have a high level of intensity for that to work on the regular basis because if you're not, if you're not winning those 50-50 contests, then all of a sudden you look like a bunch of idiots because you'll run ahead of the ball and the ball's going the other way. So, yes, um, you know, they do run ahead of the ball and they chance their arm a bit, but, by God, they win a lot of those 50-50 contests too. Um, and, uh, you know, that's, that's all down to their intensity in my view. Uh, turnovers pretty even. I, uh, both teams are a little bit wasteful, I thought, with the ball um, at times. Um, uh, March sixty-seven to seventy-seven, uh, indicative of the fact that Richmond kicked the ball a hell of a lot more than we did. Marks inside fifty. Um, I felt we uh, again. It shows if our if the quality of our midfield work is down. Look what happens. Our ability to take marks inside forward fifty diminishes. And that's what happened. We did. We only took five for the match compared to Richmond's fourteen. Oh shit! Mac is just playing some sort of pawn in the background, but that's all right, Mac. No, um, sorry, the wrong button there, mate. But it woke you up, didn't it? What was that? Uh, like the naked Mardi Gras, or what? Which one was that? No, I was, try- I was trying to close something off. <laughs> yeah, I bet you were. But anyway, Mrs. Macca just walked in the room. Oh, shit. Um, uh, what have we got here? Yeah, uh, I'd love to see the stat. Um, Barty might be able to help us out. Uh, I'd love to see the stat of how many goals or how many scores Richmond kicked from marks inside forward 50. Because 14 for the match is a big number. A lot. 14 for the back match is a big number. Um, contested marks overall, we actually won the, uh, that. Uh, and I th- felt that that was probably because um, we weren't too bad behind the ball. So across half-back, I think we took a few contested marks. Um, yeah, there, there was some really great work from our defence. Oh, our, our defence, given the, given well, the flood of ball coming yeah. in, eh, Mac? So go, Mac. No, no, the, the, I reckon, you know, and particularly our younger boys uh, stood up very well, you know, under that particular pressure. I thought, you know, um, young McPherson and Lockie Shull, of course, he... Uh, he performed very well again, um, and I, you know, I think they're, they're the bright spark for the future. I think because um, that, that that pressure from Richmond is as good as you get, as you said, and uh, it, they just keep it coming. It comes in waves, straight at you, yeah. non-stop. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I think overall, I think the defence didn't do a bad job because you know, there's it, the, the problems were further upfield, and they just get they're on the receiving end of it. Yeah, but. Uh, at, at... Have a look at these two stats. Um, tackles, forty to sixty-one, in a game where dis- uh, disposal or possession count was relatively even, and tackles inside fifty-two to ten in favour. And therein lies a big illustration of just how intense Richmond are around the contest. It, well, it shows where you have to be if you want to be the best. Um, yeah, um, and it shows that we've still got a long way to go. Yeah, yeah. So I mean that—that's the head-to-head stuff. Uh, look, I thought it was uh, 
as I said, I thought it was gallant overall by Adelaide. Um, but I, I, at the end of the day, and I think I wrote this on Big Footy, I think it was just indicative of two teams that are at opposite ends of the cycle at the moment. Richmond are at the top of their at the top of their cycle at the moment, uh, whereas we're obviously at the bottom and rebuilding. And uh, I think you couldn't doubt our endeavour, um, but we're just at opposite ends of the, of that development cycle right now. Well, obviously so, because they're at the peak and uh, we're at the, we, yeah. we're at the bottom. But, yeah. you know, uh, I think, you know, all in all, when you look at it, it's been a pretty successful season because, um, and that might sound ridiculous, but, uh, the, the, and, I, and I say this by, in the sense that I think the people, not necessarily the club, but the people have forced the club successfully to do all the things that they should have done for a long, long time. You know, you know, they're, they're making changes in the coaches, they're making changes in the players, they're making changes in the admin. And these are all things that probably should have happened a long time ago. And mm. uh, and it's only really the pressure from the uh, from the people at the end of last season that, that's caused, you know, the, the review and all this to happen. So from the point of view, yes, it's not the greatest of seasons in terms of wins, but I think it's been a great season for achieving what we should have been doing a long time ago. Yeah, agreed. And isn't it funny, we didn't need a review, according to the club, until uh, public pressure from ourselves and others uh, proved too much for the Crows to bear. And uh, as a consequence, uh, we've turned over our entire coaching staff. Obviously, for those that haven't heard, Mick Godden and Benny Hart have been shown the door at the club today. And uh, we've turned over half our bloody list. So, uh, you know, an all-new coaching panel. We've got a new general manager... (laughs) General Manager of Footy Ops, uh, likely to have uh, another senior appointment in the in the uh, footy operations space, and we're going to have a new coaching panel. So not bad for a club that didn't need a review. <laughs> yeah. That's the point I'm really getting at. But, and so from the point of view, it, it's when I say, and PJ said it hadn't been a successful season, but it might end up being a season we had to have. It is the season we had to have. And it's been a season that uh, I think a lot of supporters have been calling, uh, not all this, but been all the, the changes are all what the people have been calling for a long time. Um, and, look, it's been doing it, being done in stages. And poor old Nick, when you have a look at what he's been surrounded with uh, and the circumstances which he's had to try and train an unfit team, uh, you know, you cannot judge the man at all badly on that. Let's let's put a pin in that. God, I hate that saying, but I'll use it. Let's put a pin in that and just finish off this game because there's a few comments yep. that we can uh, talk about at the end of this cast about uh, what's going on at the moment. So let's have a look at some of the player stats right now. Uh, Matty Crouch had 30 touches, uh, 10 and 20, so you know, handball happy as usual for Matt. Only three clearances, which was disappointing, and only 221 uh, metres gained. Uh, did have six score involvements, um, so that wasn't too bad. Eleven contested possessions. Um, a, not a bad game from Matt, but I didn't feel that he was he had as much impact on the game as perhaps previous weeks. Um, uh, he had a presence, but not 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 a, a an influence, if you like. Um, mm. He got the ball quite a lot, but he didn't influence the game. But he yeah. was okay. He got it. He gets a pass. What do you reckon, Nick? Yeah, uh, there's the issues with the the centre 
bounces. But around yeah. the ground, I actually thought he was he was actually effective and he was quite proactive and he was always looking forward, uh, which is something we've been harping on for a long time. Mm. And with that pressure coming at him in his face, he was still wanting to try and move the ball on forward. So mm. I was actually quietly happy with his game yeah. because of that. I'm, I'm going to, uh, just before we... Um, Oh, sorry. That's. I'm going to just um, show some of this vision while we're talking about right. centre clearances. Well, while you're doing that, I just I just got to go off and take a phone call and I shall yeah, return. That's fine, Mac. Uh, all the best to that one. Um, so, yeah, Nick, I don't you. know whether you've got uh, a screen up at the moment. I um, do. Yeah. So I'll just um, that. Uh, we'll go that one. That one, pause it. Right, so this is the GWS game, and you can see that whilst we've got body, um, where Rory, uh, Riley, sorry, is going to tap the ball, look where um, Rory Laird is. He's in front of his player. Right, so it's obvious that Riley O'Brien's going to win that tap, and in, whilst there they are playing a bit man on man. Or is that Himmelberg? Oh, it could be Himmelberg, actually. Or whoever. Our, our Ruckman is going to win that tap. And Rory Laird is in position A to win that. So we'll just play that out a little bit. And you can see it goes straight down Rory Laird's throat. You can see uh, the wingman coming in. Uh, you can also see that Rory uh, Sloan is about to push off his player. And Matty Crouch is in prime position to duck back behind that contest and get a handball. Let's see what happens. Into, an, into open space. Yeah, see where Matty Crouch is going right there? Yep. And there it goes. So, you know, that that was proactive midfield work um, against GWS, um, and it ended up with Shuey turning it over. This is another one with GWS. You can see that uh, Lady's got space. Um, I think that... Who might that be behind O'Brien? Is that Brody, maybe? And no, that's Matty, Brad. That's Brad, is it? And Matt, Matt on the defensive side is bodied up, obviously, against uh, uh, the bloke that's going to head to their hit zone. But you can see, again, we've got separation, we've got space. Um, we can see where Riley's going to tap that ball. He's got a left left hand up. So, again, R- uh, Rory Laird is in the box mm-hmm. seat, I think, on this one. Uh, Riley actually doesn't win the tap, but it goes in that direction. Mm-hmm. And look, look at the players that we've got as a consequence of, of knowing or trusting where Riley's going to hit it, even though he didn't get the tap, it still went in that direction. We've got um, three players and Riley O'Brien doing the albatross, yeah. albatross behind Rory Laird. <laughs> it's a good shepherd. It's fantastic. It's exactly what you want your ruckman to do. You want him to clear space. So this is all, this is all proactive work against GWS. We're able to work the ball around, run off half-back McPherson, and we hit up the target, and away we go. Now, this is against Richmond. And uh, you can see that even though we've got, um, near my little cursor there, we've got a player out uh, on what you would call the hit zone, he's actually, he's already there. And what we've talked about, Nick, in the past is that the only time you want to be in the hit zone is the moment the ball's going to get there. Yeah, when you're moving... that's right. So if O'Brien gets this tap, the bloke there, and I think it, it's, is it Matt? 
I think it's Matt. Matt is actually going to be a sitting duck, and unless he gets a clean take and has someone to dish off on, he's going to get he's going to get hammered. So let's see what happens on this one. So you can see he's he's standing stationary right there, whereas it, I think that's uh, it could even be Dusty behind Matty coming in. That guy's going to come in on the move. Um, now Richmond ended up winning the ruck, but. As a oh, back. Not oh, Right. So you watch. You watch. Um, no, it was Sean Edwards that was coming through. And the yeah, problem with Matt is because he's stationary. Because he's sitting under where he where he wants. It's Lady. That's right. He's stationary there. But look at the room, because we're not. Because we lose the ruck contest, there's no defensive work there at all. Look at Edwards come through there. Edwards and look is, at Brad ball watching. And Brad's ball Brad's actually, his momentum is actually going backwards. And as a consequence, it goes straight to Edwards and away we go. Now, you can put that down to us losing the ruck, and that's fair enough. So let's watch this one. This is Berg. Again, you can see two bodied up, um, one on the defensive side against Cochin, uh, one on our um, offensive side, and then you've got Matt and uh, I think it might be Edwards again uh, on the near side here. See, you can see both Ruckman are going to hit to that stationary contest. Yeah. But look at look how Dusty pushes off on Laird, and look look at Matt. Now, Sean Edwards has got already got two metres separation on Matt. Himmelberg's actually beating uh, Laird because Laird's been pushed off by Dusty. And Matt's out of the contest, gives up the chase. And again, it's that it's that first give out of uh, those clearances that I think told for Richmond because they were able to maintain possession out of that clearance, whereas often we would blaze forward. Here's another one. Now, this one is looking all right because at this stage it looks like Riley's going to actually hit it to the back where we've got a player because uh, I think Edwards has sweated off a bit. But the other two there, they're botting up. But Riley loses that one, and as a consequence, look at Matt again. Got completely burnt. Completely burnt. That's the second clear run by Matt's opponent out of, out of the centre stoppage. So Matt's on Cochin in. Good, yeah, Matt's on Cochin in this one, but look where he starts. Look where Matt starts, and this is the difference. If you have a look at yeah. where our players are compared to when we played GWS, this is the clear difference. Even though we, um, even though we did body up against GWS a bit at times, we were always ruck side of the contest. But look where Richmond players have got us. Matt is behind his player. Rory's behind uh, uh, his player. And the guy on the other side, it could be Rory Laird, is everyone is out of position because Richmond have, are guarding that, that drop zone space. So when the ball gets tapped, uh, in this case, Matty Crouch is out of position. And because he, was, he started behind, he's, he's got no hope. 
And it's it's exactly what was happening at the start of the year. It's yeah. exactly the same setup. Yeah. Starting too too far behind and ball watching. That's right. So, you know, it's a complete difference between what we were doing against GWS. Here's, here's another one where we are not attack side of our opponents at that centre contest. So whilst the ball is going to come to Lairdy, it didn't make it there. And as a consequence, we are totally out of position. You know, uh, Brad's forced to make a tackle on Rory Laird's man because Rory Laird's man has come through. So Brad is immediately out number two to one. The ball gets dished off and out it goes. So they were the first five centre clearances of the game. First five centre clearances of the game. And I think it was indicative of the fact that it felt to me like we conceded. It really did, Nick. Um, and apologies, my camera seems to have just frozen, but that's okay. Um, I don't know why, because I, th- I felt like we've been playing really well um, out of the middle. Were we trying to make sure that we lost the game? No, no. I, I think... I think <laughs> I honestly think it was down to um, our midfield just not having enough confidence in each other and in themselves. It, it was almost it was almost like a um, like they conceded before the game even started. In my opinion, um, which shows that there's still a bit of work to do in that midfield um, because they they could have matched Richmond in terms of intensity if that if that had been up for the fight. But the simple fact is they weren't up for the fight. They conceded straight up. So, um, yeah. Um, anyway, back to uh, individuals. Lady, speaking of Lady, had 28 touches, 14-14, uh, 14, and 14, which is a much better kick-to-handball ratio, pardon me, uh, than Matty Crouch. Um, only two tackles from Lady, three clearances, 406 metres gain, though, which was pretty good. Um, he had uh, 11 contested possessions, only one score involvement. And uh, I don't re- know whether you recall last week how many score involvements Rory Laird had. He, yeah, he had, he had quite a few. Exactly. So, um, you know, when Richmond were able to curtail the influence of our midfield midfielders such as Rory Laird, you know, where, el- where else are our forward entries, where else are our score involvements going to come from? Our scoring chain's got dried up because Richmond were able to curtail Laird um, and to some degree Brad Crouch I think Brad Crouch had a double figure um, score involvements last week too didn't he he did this week he was yeah Brad was down at four score involvements and we'll get to him in a minute um, so you know it really was a game in my opinion that was lost in the midfield um, yes they had um Obviously, more inside 50s and more scoring shots than we did. Um, but at the end of the day, that was all down to an apologies. Why I just get my camera sorted again. Um, at the end of the day, that was simply because we. Um, we. Uh, we lost those midfield contests. So. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Brad. Um, Mac is not here to defend him. Just good. Um, 11 and 15, <laughs> 26 touches, um, only behind. Um, four tackles, eight clearances, which wasn't too bad. Um, 
Now I have I have a running battle with Mutineer on on um, uh, Bigfooty about Brad Crouch, and he gets quite salty at me. But my criticism of Brad, what well, is and it's the same for all of our midfielders at the moment, but Brad in particular, because he's supposed to be our premier midfielder. He's supposed to be the guy that's going to lead our midfield if he stays with us, uh, you know, uh, it, over the coming years. But he doesn't work well under pressure. No. You talking about me? No, talking, <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't know how you work under pressure, Mac, but uh, talking about Bradley all my Crouch's life, game. All my life. What do you think about Brad's game, Mac? Yeah, it's. I thought he, and I'm I not thought shit he canning the enough, guy because I think he had a couple of good weeks. I'm talking he about had his... a couple of good weeks, but if you look at where his effectiveness, uh, it wasn't very high. It was in fact mm. very poor, actually. Yeah, that's exactly what we were saying. Um, for all, he, he got a lot of good clearances, uh, eight clearances, um, but his efficiency, um, it, you know, he only went at fifty-seven point seven percent. So he did turn the ball over a bit. Uh, he had only four score involvements. Um, so, you know, overall, not as effective. And this is, I guess, the knock that I have on Brad is that he's still got his numbers. He's still got his 26 touches. So you look at the disposal stat and you think, oh, well, Brad got in amongst it. Yes, he did. But to what extent did it contribute to the team's success? Not as much. Um, always hard, and, it's always hard to say, though, Payne, because... If you look at Dangerfield's efficiency, he always contributes a lot to their team, but his efficiency isn't high either. Um, yeah, um, but how many score involvements does he have, Mac? How much scoreboard imp- impact does Dangerfield have? Dangerfield will go forward well, and kick you three goals. Dangerfield will do a burst out of the midfield and belt it down Tommy Hawkins' throat. He'll he'll gut run to get that extra ball. Um, he'll extract the ball out of a contested situation where other players won't. Brad Crouch doesn't Look, have that ability. Um, and oh, he's not, have that he's not the, the same game. league. I'm not suggesting that. But um, it, I'm so, it, you'd, rather have, you'd rather have that happen than... Sorry, you'd rather have him getting the ball. It's, whether, it's, whether it's possible to work on him uh, being more efficient. And you have to be a little bit dubious about it because of the fact he's been here for eight years and that's, in his eighth season, that, that's what we get. Maka, I'll put it down to one thing, because I don't, uh, despite what people might think, I don't actually think that Brad Crouch is a bad player. I think he's a great player. I think he's got great ability. I put it down to the fact that he simply does not have the burst speed anymore to be able to give himself enough time to be able to use the ball effectively. I think his groins and the problems that he's had with his groins and his hamstrings over the previous four years have sufficiently slowed him down that he struggles to get enough separation to be able to use the ball effectively. And therefore, he always finds himself under pressure and has to kick around corners. Hard to argue against that because he, he, he is operating under pressure most of the time. So, yeah. And I think in terms of his value to another team, if he were to um, look elsewhere, I think his value is as a ball winner and distributor rather than a uh, playmaker. And that's where I see a, a club... Um, like, for example, people are wondering why Geelong are interested in Brad. It's because Selwood has got some limited time left in the game. Uh, Ablett Correct. will probably be losing... and. 
Brad Crouch would be almost a like-for-like replacement for Joel Selwood in terms of what he brings, what his um, what his specialty is. It may not be, um, you know, it may not be the the uh, premier game, like the premier midfielders game, but what he does bring is the ability to get the ball out of congestion and win win the hard ball. And I think Geelong value that. Um, and with their playmakers on the outside, with Dangerfield and and Duncan and, and those blokes on the outside, Brad Crouch would be a fantastic addition to that team, in my opinion. Well, if I was Brad, um, that would certainly be the team I think I would go to uh, for many, many reasons. Uh, Brad like doesn't want to live in a, in a major city like uh, Melbourne, and he's made that very clear. Yeah. Uh, Geelong would, would, would suit him in that particular respect for a lifestyle point of view. Yeah. He's close to the family. Yep, and from a from a, a point of view uh, of football, just uh, opportunity to play in grand finals potentially, uh, Geelong would be as good as any of the other teams around uh, for that. Uh, and uh, yeah, and I think that the uh, Brad Crouch Dangerfield combination would be quite deadly, actually. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, I look, I think they are the one, probably uh, the, the team most suited, I think, for Brad. Mm. And I think they'd probably give us the the right amount of um, give him the right amount of contract and money to uh, get us the pick two that we would like. Nick thoughts. I mean, I well, I said it last year that his groins were done, and we needed to move him on. <laughs> and, I've, and I've been proven right. The problem is that he you you're spot on that he needs to be that in and under ball getter. But we've got Led and we've got Sloan and we've got that. They are all producing more than what Brad does and he just doesn't fit our team and we do need to move him on and get the nice little compensation for him that should happen. Well, the issue, the issue is that if other teams see him the same way, then all of a sudden you, it, you start to wonder whether he's going to pull 700000 because one of the reasons that he uh, this conversation is even happening is because he wants he wants the career paycheck. Uh, which is yeah, fine. He was, He's was, entitled to that. And, and Geelong is stupid enough to do it. Well, uh, well the other, the other no, thing, though, Bean, you've got to take into account that uh, the uh, um, free agent uh, compensation uh, re- relates not to individual players but to what you've lost overall. Mm. So you've also got also got Atkins on top of that. So um, even if they thought that Brad was a little bit short of a first-rounder, uh, throwing the Atkins on top of it because that's how they they work it out. Uh, that would, I think it would definitely push it to him in, to pick two. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the value from uh, from Geelong's point of view is it's only going to cost them salary. It's not going to cost them picks. Correct. So it's a very um, a very simple transaction from that point of view. Oh, look, I can see a lot of value for Geelong in uh, in and obtaining uh, obtaining red crap. Sorry, I'm just trying to get on Twitch at the moment because there's a wanker on Twitch that I want to ban. So uh, just keep talking for a minute while I get rid of him. <laughs> okay, but yeah, yeah, there. Are, I think Brad would be quite useful for many clubs because of the very fact that you don't have to give draft picks to get him um, and the, the, 
okay, he wants a decent salary, but if you were prepared to, and a lot of these teams are prepared to, North Melbourne have shown it, and Eston, other teams have shown it, they're, they're prepared to gamble and give players a five-year contract. And so, you know, if Brad was given a four or five-year contract um, by any of the clubs, really, I think I think he'll probably get himself to the stage where we'd we get picked too. But with Atkins uh, being added on top of that, I'm very, very confident we will get picked too, uh, presuming that Brad does leave. You uh, see that, just... Wendy? Oh, yeah, completely. And, and he will fit in. He will balance out some other teams, and I don't have a problem with that because the, where we are and where we're situated, we do have to get rid of some what people would consider quality. He is very close to uh, quite a number of the other players, and and that's always a hard thing to do, but this is a footy club. It's a business, actually, first and foremost now. We have to. Um, make those hard decisions. But I, I don't actually think it's that hard a decision. No, no, I, I don't think. I, and I think the, the footy club is really, they're really saying to Brad, we'd like to keep you, but we only want to give you so much. Well, and that's the and, thing. And uh, I don't want to get hung up on this too long. I want to finish this off and then we can have a bit more of a chat about it. But that's, that's the thing. Uh, for what Brad wants, he's no longer that player for us. He's a $600,000 workhorse for us, of which we have a few. We've got his brother and we've got Lady and, you know, we've got a few of those workhorse in and under types. Um, and those in and under types, whilst they're valuable, they're not worth seven hundred, seven hundred and fifty thousand. 750000 So he no yeah. longer fits the profile of the player that he was when we recruited him. He's no longer on that trajectory. So... He might well get that at another club that needs that kind of player, but at the moment we don't. So that's that's the dilemma. Yeah, and we've been burnt by so many contracts, uh, both to uh, admin, uh, well, not admin, but footy staff. Too, and, yeah, too long. And, and too many players. So, um, you know, we're still playing. Well, this year we played two, two other players' salaries while they're playing for other clubs. So mm. um, we're not going to take that gamble again with a player that's uh, got dodgy groins. No, yeah, Geelong think- Owas. I don't think we can. Uh, anyway, let's uh, move on from that conversation just for now. Um, Riley O'Brien, as I mentioned, uh, had a monster game uh, and I think uh, showed that he's, in my view anyway, one of, uh, certainly one of the top three ruckmen in the AFL and uh, continuing on his trajectory, uh, it'll be between him and Brody Grundy as to who's the most valuable ruckman in the comp next year. Um, but I thought he did really well. Um, and is, the, he's probably is, the best Max, ruckman. Sorry, is Max Gorn going to pass away or something? Max Gorn is a shadow of his former self, mate. Yeah, he's, he's well. He's played with injury this year. Yeah, that's what I mean. But well, I think he. I, th- I don't think he's. Uh, Max Gorn has, has dropped off a long way. And what I like about O'Brien is that he's probably the best ruckman we've had since Sean Wren in terms of around the ground work. Absolutely. No argument. Yep. No, not one argument. Uh, not his one. ability to drop back and take contested marks in defence, uh, his engine, his desire, his work rate, all second to none. And, um, you know, all, all power to him. I, I can't sing his praises. He's come from a long way back, Riley O'Brien, a long way back. As you said, he was ungainly. 
he was uh, unfashionable, you know, all those unwords. Um, but you can't deny a bloke that just keeps going and going and going. And he's added, uh, as well as work rate, he's added some efficient effectiveness to his games in terms of his contested marking and his work at clearance. Yeah, that's unarguable, unarguable. He, he'll win our best and fairest this year, and quite rightly so. And the good thing Deserves about it. it is, oh, absolutely. And the good thing about it is, you guys, is that it's, it, it, I mean, I was an advocate for for grabbing Brodie Grundy, um, but I'm, I'm so glad that we didn't because we just saved ourselves a million bucks. <laughs> Correct. Correct. Rolly O'Brien has saved us a million dollars in salary cap. So in in terms of his value to the team and the club, he's basically, he's given us the ability to have another midfielder. So good on him, can't, uh, can't speak highly enough. Lockie Scholl backed up his rising star not winning game with another good game, 19 disposals, yeah. uh, sorry, not, yeah, 19 disposals, 11 and 8, had a big first quarter from memory. Um, six marks, if you don't mind, three clearances as well, gained us nearly 300 metres. Um, he's really come on for a lad who doesn't have a lot of uh, doesn't have a lot of, of uh, weight about him. And like you said, Mackie, he got, he got targeted a little bit by Richmond. Uh, he's still, a little bit. Yeah, he still was able to get seven contested possessions, a couple of clearances, and a couple he of score involvements. He was. He's he's going to be something else, Lockie. I, I can't wait to see him running regularly off a off a wing. He'll be fantastic. Oh, that that pass in the first quarter was once again oh, superb. Oh yeah, no, he, he he's going to be a very good play, as you say. He definitely needs some weight on him, and uh, you know Pat Fogarty could take some of his off and give it to him because he's got plenty <laughs> on. But uh, no, not, I, I, not too much though, because we need his speed. But yeah, he's look. He, he's uh, we were singing his praises for a long time after the, uh, this year after his performance in the SANFL. We were saying. Well, not SAFL, but in the scratch matches, etc. And he said SAFL last year. Yeah, me talking about him last year. All last year. Kept talking about it. Go, play him, play him. Nikki, we've got eyeballs to watch the telly as well. We actually <laughs> thought that too. So um, You didn't see. Not all the games were on telly. No, but we were. Oh, anyway, just on move on, you two. Quite right. No, we're quite right. He, look, he's going to be a very good player for a long time. Cause he's a beautiful two-sided player. He's got pace. He actually looks where he's going to kick the ball. And... Uh, and he knows how to get the ball, so he's going to be a good player. Yeah, uh, re- fantastic replacement for Rory Atkins um, and uh, does the things that we wanted Rory Atkins to do as well as the things that Rory Atkins did. So we always valued Rory's delivery. Uh, Lockie Scholl's got that. We always valued um, Rory's, uh, well, at least initially, until he started being uh, losing the plot. He uh, was good in tight. Uh, in, in close quarters, uh, Lockie is very good in close quarters. Additionally, Lockie will get his own ball. Lockie will go in and get the hard ball. And, uh, you know, they're the things that Rory Atkins didn't bring to the table, and I'm so glad that he's stepped up and taken his opportunity. Um, yeah. DMAC, uh, well, oh, I'm going to make a potentially a controversial comment here. I think it's been David McKay's best season. What do you reckon? It's not controversial, it's yep. fact. It's absolute fact. In fact, um, the club is half considering giving him, giving him another year because, um, and probably not 
to be played every week, but you know, to be a backup if the, one of the young lads uh, falls over. Yeah, I, I think. And, like... and the... Go on, Nick. I was just going to say the thing with DMAC is that even when he goes back to the SNFL side, he's not like a lot of other players who drop their heads and don't feel like they belong. He works his guts out in the SNFL and he's there to mentor the young ones. He's He's got the right attitude mm. um, and you're spot on. He's come in, done exactly what he's needed to do, and I think he has elevated his game a little bit, whereas we were talking at the start of the year just going, oh, if D-Mac gets a game, we're really in trouble. Well, we were really in trouble. D-Mac got games and he helped us get out of trouble. Yeah. yeah, no, uh, no, I was very happy with his year. He had a good year. The the, uh, the only problem with uh, playing D-Mac, uh, and we don't know, uh, but it, it cost um, maybe uh, – one or two games from someone else, but I, I would probably say that Jake Kelly is the one that I would have rather seen make way for Geordie Butts um, and may, maybe even Young Worrell. Although I don't know whether I don't know what the story is with him, whether he's ready yet or not. Um, but D Mac, I, I feel like he earned his spot every week. Um, he put in, he provided run. You know what you're going to get from David McKay, and I, I do think it was his best season. Uh, certainly, his best season for a long time. And I think the only thing that will squeeze him out of the squad will be um, adjustments to the list size. It might Which be a logistical, might be a logistical thing. Be. And, I, and I, think, I think David being the club man that he is, I think if that was how it turned out and he had to make way because we simply didn't have room, I think he would go out graciously. I think he would accept it. And I think... Um, you know, he would understand the fact that um, at least he's gone out on a really good season. So all, all kudos to David McKay. He's much maligned. He's a whipping boy. We've smashed him at times on this podcast, and probably deservedly so, but nothing but praise for him this season. I think he's had a great year, and, and uh, good luck to him. Um, Brody Smith, uh, trade bait for me, Brody Smith. Uh, 17 posies, 11 and 6. End of a game. Yeah, I, I, I didn't ever think I'd agree with that uh, theme, but I have to think, you know, yeah. after a couple of his games this year, and, and and I thought he played a pretty ordinary game on the weekend. Um, yeah, I wouldn't be against uh, using him as trade bait. I, I think Brody needs a new challenge. I really do. And I, personally, I think Brody Smith is our ticket into uh, Jason Horn in next year's uh, draft because I think... Brody could still get us a first round pick uh, in next year's draft, and I think, uh, given I don't think we're going to come bottom next year, uh, we're going to have to work our way up that draft table as high as we possibly can. And I think Smithers is the player that will get us there. To be honest with you, um, perhaps together with uh, whatever we get for Brad Crouch, bundle those two together for uh, for uh, North's first maybe. I don't know. But Smith, I, I definitely think we should be shopping around. Um, I didn't think he had a bad game, but I thought he uh, was uh, just a bit lazy. Uh, just picked and choose when he wanted to go. Um, and I, I think we're at the point now where we've got players coming through that can play his role. And we've also got Wayne Miller back that can play off that halfback, that running halfback wingman style role. And I think uh, as much as I, I like Smithers when he's playing well, the other observation I'll make about him is that he's one of those players that goes missing in big moments. And I think yeah. correct. They're, they're absolutely the blo- correct. they're the blokes that we have to um, wave goodbye to, my view. 
yeah, yeah. A similar player like that is is a seed, you know. Um, yes. On his day, he can have a good game, but he does go missing in the big moments as well. Yep, uh, seed won't have the value. Certainly, Smithers, I reckon, would suit um, maybe a Hawthorne. Uh, sorry, maybe a Carlton. Well, probably Hawthorne too, but certainly Carlton. Yeah, I think Haw- he's definitely the type of player that Hawthorne would look for. Yeah, well, Clarkson would like him, and Henderson's coming to the end of his, his run, and so is uh, Isaac Smith. I reckon Carlton might be thinking about a running halfback now that they've lost Cade Simpson, because I reckon if they get Williams, they'll play him through the midfield. Um, so they wouldn't mind Brodie Smith's run off halfback. Uh, so, yeah, let's see what happens with Smithers. Uh, Benny Keys, I reckon he's tailed off over the last couple of games, but he's had a long, long season, Ben. Uh, hasn't played this many senior games in a row ever in his AFL career. Uh, he's super Agreed. fit. Super fit. He's done really well. Uh, he's forced his way into the best 22. And whilst he was quiet against Richmond, although he had a negating role, I think, for, for much of it, um, yeah, he, he can was be on proud the... of his... Yeah, he can be proud of his season, Benny Keys, I reckon. Yeah, he had, no, he's had a good year. He wasn't his greatest game on the weekend, um, but uh, he wasn't playing in his normal spot either, so... Uh, no, I was. I'm really, really happy with his season, and he's. A, and I don't know whether he's going to be rookies next year or not. That some people say it'll be 38 plus two. Others say there won't be rookies. But he look if the if there if there's a main list and a couple of rookies, he should be on the main list because he deserved it. Oh, definitely. You reckon top, and, top top five in the BNF easily? Yes, definitely. He will be. Yep. Um, yeah, he should get a contract and. Um, you know, let, let's not forget that Benny Keys was playing well when our team was shit. He yep. was a shining light when our team was shit. Um, and I still I still think he's a smoky for our BNF. I know Riley O'Brien's had a big year. But Benny Keys was playing well when absolutely no one else was playing well. And it wouldn't mind, it wouldn't surprise me in the, in the least if he was the first rookie to win a BNF at the Crows. Uh, that would be a great who, thing. But, but I reckon he'd probably be... Equal with uh, O'Brien up to about you know the last two or three yeah. games, and then probably uh, you know no, Riley he's played he, he's played good all the way through. So yeah. I think he wins it. I yeah. think Rob wins it. Yeah, probably right. Um, one bloke who won't win it, and I don't want to hang shit on people, but <laughs> Jake Jake Kelly um, won't win the BNF, and I would. <laughs> I'm struggling to see how he's uh, not offered around. Um, at season's end. He, he is under contract for next year. I know, I know. It, I actually thought that was probably one of his better games. Oh. Yeah, but it's such but a I, low bar, Nikki. It's such a low bar yeah. for, for Jake. I, for, for me, Jake is a depth player. He's, he's, not gonna be, he's not your first 22 all the time. But if you need particular matchups or if you need mm. that coverage because you've got other injuries... He can come in and do his role. But the thing yes, is, Nicky... Yes, he's not outstanding. But the thing is, Nicky, we've got to move on from Nick. that. Sorry. I agree, Nick, that I think that he does his role, but the one thing I don't like about the way he does his role is mentally he is very slow, really slow. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there's times when a thinking footballer would break away and, and, and move it on very quickly. And you see him there holding his hand out vertically, patting it, slow down, slow down. He's always and saying, slow it down. Always. And it's like, no, Jake, yeah. no, we want to run it. 
And uh, you know, I think if we, you know, um, if we're going to go any, any slower than uh, him, <laughs> well, it'd be look like we're standing to attention for the for the for the, yeah, for the national right. anthem or something. That's right. Yeah. No. Look. Um, I don't want him to be in our best twenty-two, Nick. I understand he's a role player and it's a bit of a horses for courses with Drake, but he's going to be keeping one or two lads out next season. Uh, you know, did I be back no, in the I fray? Think... Uh, we've got Warrell no, I... to come in. We've got Butts to come in. Um, you know, I don't want to see. I don't want to see Drake in the team. I don't, he's not part of the future. But I think if you look at this year, he actually wasn't really keeping those players out. It's injuries and other ones not being quite ready. That that's why he was in the team. But when yeah. we were playing Hamill and giving those ones. Kelly wasn't in the team. Yeah, you know that's fine. We, I'm just saying I don't want to. We've already seen that. We've we've seen that change. That, that's all well and good, Nick. I just don't want to. See, I don't want to see him in the team next year. I don't. I, I agree with you about this year. I don't want to see him in the team next year. He should be a, a in case of emergency break glass if he's still on our list. Uh, Rory Sloan. Um, I don't know about you guys. I reckon he's just been playing injured for most of the season, and he's looking for the finish line. But by goodness, if he's not, then we've got three years worth of Rory Sloan at good money, um, and that's a bit of a concern. You stole, yeah, you stole my line that last little bit because um, you'd hope he's playing it because if this is the best that Rory can do, uh, we've made a real shit of giving him that five-year contract because um, he... There's some games he played very poorly, actually, and other games he played yeah. very average, and then, then a very small number of games he was good. So he was not Rory Stone of the past, and you can, and I think I think we'll have to assume that he was injured. Well, we're yeah, gonna... he, he's, he's ha- he has had a number of injuries this year, and I think we've rushed him back in when we shouldn't have. It just looked like he hit a wall at the start of the year, and he hasn't been able to go through it. I don't know what, well, what's going on, whether it's his foot or whether it's his uh, ankles or whatever, but or his hip or whatever it was that he had, but uh, something's going to have to change. Anyway, uh, of the rest, um, Shane McAdam continued his good season. He's uh, He's been a real bright light for uh, the Crows uh, during the season um, and uh, sewn up that medium third forward role, in my opinion, pushed Ben Davis straight out of the equation and Ben wasn't helped by um, by his injury. Injury. Um, But uh, I can see Ben not being with us next year as a consequence of Shane's rise. I think you can bet on that. Absolutely bet on that. Yeah. Well, the other thing too is if the the word's right that we're into Jackson Hately, I can see Jackson Hately playing that high half forward that Lynch plays uh, and rotating through the midfield as well. Um, but uh, that that given that Benny Davis was probably being earmarked for that Lynch spot, um, he I, was. I reckon, I reckon Hately is a is a dead set cert for that spot if we get him. Um, so uh, uh, I, I think we'll get him, um, and and I, and I think we'll get him either very cheaply or for nothing because um, having the first pick in the preseason draft, and you know, even Mark quickly said this on the radio that. Um, what you do is you offer pick 37. You know, they'll want a lot more than pick 37, but you, you just hold firm to know we pick 37 or nothing. And then uh, 
and he don't agree, and it, he just waltzes to us for free in the pre-season draft. So, yeah, um, yeah I, I don't, and he only got six games with them this year. Um, uh, at times when they were when they were really down on personnel, so I don't. I, I think he would be probably glad to come home. I, I think so, and I think they played him against us purely to, to uh, show him off. <laughs> I had exactly the same thoughts. Was oh look, he he's he's getting a tester. Yeah, he had a run and then he got dropped. Um, McPherson's been a real solid find um, in defence. He looks like he's played 150 games, Andrew McPherson. Uh, but, and I'm so pleased for the bloke, considering that all the trouble he had getting on the park. Um, it's great to see him have a run of games. Um, he looks great. He held Dusty um, when, he, when Dusty was forward. did really well. So uh, good on Andy McPherson. Even, even the fog showed just a little, little, little bit. Uh, nice couple, yeah, yeah, nice couple of lead-up marks, uh, kicking through the ball. Um, and Maka, you know, you've been saying he's got to lose weight. I was having yep. a look at him. He, I don't think he needs to lose weight. I think he needs to build fitness. He just well, looks like same, he's yeah. Well, he possibly the same fat. thing. What I'd like him about to do is to run as good as a midfielder. So. Um, uh, and I actually heard Mark Rusciuto make a comment very much along these lines that um, he believes that he, he's, he's, although he's a forward, he would like to see him build his tank so he could actually go in for five, ten-minute bursts into the middle um, because he believes with the right engine he could do that. And I do too. And um, But to do that, I think he has to lose a little bit of weight. Not a lot, yeah. but a little. But he's also got to gain... To a massive pre-season, and I, you know, I, as I said, I, I think I said it last time. I, I'd even hire him a personal bloody trainer and make sure he did it so that he can come back and be the player that he should be. Well, I think we're going to see the measure of Darcy Fogarty in uh, the way he fronts up next year, because if he fronts Correct. up unfit, um, in my opinion, he's done. He's been in the our system for long enough. He knows that Texas either out or just about out. Uh, he's got the perfect opportunity, perfect opportunity to make that forward line his own next year. And uh, like you said, he needs a massive preseason. And if he rocks up and he's not fit um, and he has another sort of, you know, almost start to the season like this year, uh, I reckon he's gone. Uh, Kyle Hardigan being serviceable. Uh, it'll be interesting to see whether he continues. Uh, Himmelberg continued his upwards trajectory. The second half of the season has been so promising. It's been really good to see. After being written off by yours truly, um, Harry Schoenberg's also... Yeah, Harry Schoenberg's also shown us enough glimpses um, that he's going to be a star of the future. Am calling a future Brownlow medalist. Thank you very much. I must, must say that only Nikki, Nikki Himmelberg thought that Himmelberg would be good. No, no, no. We all, we all did. Me, Nick, Pete, yeah. and and uh, yeah, me, Nick, and Pete. But I jumped off. I jumped you off, did and for I a think, to be honest with you, I think that was just the kick up the ass that Himmelberg needed. Um, I could picture him putting the headphones down after watch after listening to a weekend rapper going, "Geez, I got to put put a finger out." <laughs> no, but that that's that weekend rap. We said exactly what he was doing wrong. Yeah, what he needed to fix, yeah. and what happened. He did exactly what we he said. Did. Hi, he Har- did. <laughs> Hi, Elliot. 
and, and also I have to give a shout out to Grey Crow on Big Footy, and I, I don't know whether he's listening uh, tonight, but uh, he gave us he, he gave us some massive uh, massive cred on Big Footy because he basically called the fact that we were the ones that preempted uh, Mick Godden changing his midfield setup uh, and getting the blokes to move around in the midfield a bit more. So Grey oh, Crow, if you're listening, mate. Yeah. If you're listening, Grey Crow, uh, you're a legend, and uh, thanks. <laughs> That's all you get. Um, I don't know about you, but I had mixed feeling about Tex uh, beating Mods' uh, record. Uh, probably well-deserved. He's had a long, tough career, Taylor Walker, with his ACL. Being a good club man, uh, he did it in two and a half times the games that Mods did. So, to me, Mods is still the one. But uh, do we think Tex has got another year left in him? Well, I'm very, very – always been clear for the last few weeks what I, my attitude towards Tex is that he's got the he's got a year of contract and I think he's on about 700K. Well, I'd make him earn it. I'd make him be uh, captain of the uh, SAFL team. I'd make him help the uh, forwards coach uh, at training um, and, he'd, and he'd play uh, in when, when we had shortages up forward, somebody got injured or something like that. But – not as a as a first up player, just as a backup. Tell, tell you what, Mac, it's a lot of money to be tied up in the SNFL. Well, you know, it, just because you pay a lot of money doesn't mean it's good. I mean, no. you, you can buy you can buy a car and pay a lot of money for it. And it's a lemon, but you know, you still you still got a lemon on your hands. Yeah, I know. I'm just saying that uh, if all he's got to give us is a season captaining the SNFL, that's a lot of money. You wouldn't try to negotiate an exit like Bryce? Um, no, because I think he's a good, he's been a very good club man and he'd he, he give his right arm for the club. So I think I would do the right thing in that in that way and appear to be doing the right thing that way. Is that worth 700k? Uh, um, to the rest of the players, I think it would be. The rest okay. of the players love him. Oh, yeah, no, no. Well, no, I disagree with that. I disagree with that. I think a section of the player base love him. I think most of them respect him, um, but he has been a divisive character, Mac, at times. Well, well, what would you do? I mean, that's what I would do, but what would you do? I'd probably try to negotiate an exit. Okay. I mean, they're, they are two totally different uh, schools of thought, and I don't know which one is right. I'm just saying what I think, and you're saying what you think, and... From if you're running a football club, they'll make that decision one way or the other. And they, they well, well, the third, the third thing, which I think is even worse, is if they play him regularly. Yeah. Uh, look, I, yeah. Well, I, that's the thing. Uh, if you're going to invest seven hundred thousand in a player, you got you're kind of forced to play him. And I think um, PJ makes a good point on the on the chat that if the club went to him and said, look. We're not going to be able to pay. We're not going to be able to play next year in the ones unless you know, if, in case of injury. We want you to be around and finish your career with us, uh, with some dignity and and as a just reward for being a great club man. But geez, I don't, we don't know whether we can give you seven hundred. Would you take five? I, I would be happy with that. I would be happy with oh, him playing out his last season at five hundred k, if he was playing in the twos. But it, but at seven hundred, mate, that's a that's a lot of money running around in the seconds. Yeah, well, look, you know, uh, it's a tricky situation, and it, it, it is. It, it is. Again, it just shows the problem you've got when you 
give a player, when he's playing well at age 27, 28, and you give him, uh, or 26, 27, 28, you give him a five-year contract, it's fine for about the first three years, but then you get to the last two. Yeah. And nine times out of ten, it's a, it's a shitter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, look at look at Sydney. I mean, they've they're still got two or three years left in buddies. Contract in play this year, and, uh, you know, who knows what's going on there. Um, Tyson Stengel, I think, showed himself to be an, uh, uh, a decent replacement for Eddie. Uh, hasn't got Eddie's wow factor, of course, but uh, there was one time when he ran up from the forward line and put a tackle on, uh, I don't think it was Martin. It was one of their midfielders. It uh, could have been Edwards and forced a turnover that resulted yeah. in, um, resulted in. I think oh, it was he, McAdam. Was that McAdam's first ex- goal? He knew exactly. Exactly where we're going to go next, and kind of helps because a he used to be a Richmond player, yeah. Um, but he 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 yeah. the, the pressure that he put on and the way he knew where it was going to go to set up that turnover, yeah. That's what I like about him. When he gets near the ball, something happens. He just needs that little bit of extra tank, yeah. And I like the fact that we've used him in the midfield a little bit as well. Yep. Yeah, and yeah. when I, when he first started, I thought, well, you know, we've got a problem here because he's not fit enough and he doesn't work hard enough. But um, he's shown as the season's gone on, and he and, and there are quite a lot of players in, in in his category that got better as their fitness base got better, and uh, and I think he showed us he's going to be, uh, no, he's not going to be Eddie, but he's going to be a, a good forward. And, and I thought his work rate towards the end of the season was rising and rising each game he played. So I, I think he's going to just be a very, you know, he, if he has a really good uh, pre-season, I think he'll come back and he'll be a very damaging forward next year. Look, I reckon if Stengel can become a 30-goal small forward with stints in the middle and a good defensive side to his game, I reckon you got bloody good value for money out of that position. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because, uh, no, I think he's, he's been doing that. And I think yeah. his work rate's been very good. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, he's not Eddie, but Eddie could go missing quite a bit. Um, you know, he, yeah, Eddie, he had his, Eddie had his games where he was just on and could kick them from anywhere. Um, but I think we'll get a much more consistent player with Stengel. Uh, maybe not the complete uh, scoreboard output, but I think overall a very rounded player, and I, I, I'm happy. And he looks engaged, Tyson. He looks like he's bought in, which is excellent. So that's good. Now, Daniel Talia uh, is 28 going on 45. But, uh, <laughs> there's a couple of, couple of whispers around that he uh, that he wants to go to the Bombers. I can't see that happening. That's bullshit. He came out and said, quite frankly, yeah. that he wants to continue and yeah. a, a career with the Crows and be a one-club player, but it's up to the club. He's well, very ha- settled in Adelaide. Yeah. His post-career will be very settled here in Adelaide. Yeah. Um. And he's one of the most diligent trainers, but you're right about <laughs> it takes him a long time to recover yeah, from a well, game. recovery has been his thing for a while. Yeah. And, and but the way he's played, that yeah, he gets absolutely battered pillar to post, so you can understand that. Um, but it, that's also the type of player you need around to develop Maccasy, Worrell, Butts. Yeah. Did you read what he did, what he does every day? He fills up a bloody a bloody tank, ice bath, yeah, ice ice blocks, and and it's a bloody ice bath. So yep. It's a half an hour an hour every day, yep. every yeah. day. Yeah, he's been doing that for a long time. Yeah, 
I'd scream if I had an ice cube resting on me. Yeah. Um, look, I agree. Tails is, is the um, is the experienced guy to have those young players develop around. Um, you know, I'd, it's 50-50 whether we'll have Kyle on the list next year, but uh, I'd be shattered if, if Daniel left. I, I, I'm disappointed that Daniel didn't get an opportunity to captain the club. Um, but uh, I hope that he stays a one-club player. Uh, the last player, obviously, Chase Jones, a massive worry for mine, a massive worry. Has not come on. Um, looks uh, looks uh, disoriented uh, in the contest. Um, all the qualities that that we thought we were, we were getting with Chase that he displayed in the Tassie League uh, diminished. And, uh, yeah, I, I'm on the fence about where where Chase ends up, to be honest. Well, 2018 is not going to go down in record as our best uh, draft. We, we wasted that. Was a, that was a great draft, a really great draft, and some really great players have come out of it. Port Adelaide did extremely well out of it, extremely well. And, yep, we started uh, that particular draft off in better shape than they did with the picks we had. They worked hard, got in front of us. They, We still could have... Uh, uh, drafted some of the players we did. Uh, Chase, for a second-year player, I, I'm really disappointed what he gave us this year. And McHenry, well, he, as I refer to him, he's just like an irritable ant running around just trying to cause people angst and doesn't get the football very much. And, and I think very disappointing, really disappointing. Patrick on the chat makes uh, a really good point. Uh, thanks, Patrick, for your input. Um, maybe a, a new midfield coach. Um, will make a difference to Chase. Um, that's well, it might. They might give him a different role. Well, that's that's uh, that's if they do persevere with him in the midfield. Um, you know, they might try him on a wing, I guess, or maybe running off half back. He looked disoriented when he played down back earlier in the season. Um, he's been, half forward is a graveyard for a young player. Uh, I wouldn't like to see him but- playing in that role. But interestingly, you contrast him with Schoenberg also playing on half forward and how yeah, well in, he's done. But but Shuey, all Shuey wants to do is run to the contest, whereas Chase doesn't and, want to go hit, near it. Yeah, and hit it at pace. Yeah. So you'll see Shuey come in off the front of the square at a, at a, at a, a secondary bounce or a stoppage or whatever, and he'll hit that contest at pace, like you said, Nick, whereas Chase is nowhere near um, and this is from a, a kid who, and I, look, I hate ragging on the kid. Um, and I, I look, yeah. we all hope that we will, we all hope that he comes on. Uh, no doubt about it. He's got some really nice tricks. Absolutely, he's he's you know he he didn't go first round for nothing. Hamish is not a complete dickhead, but his form <laughs> his form <Complete>. pre draft. <laughs> well, his he's not a dickhead at all. He's very astute. Um, but the form that Chase showed pre-draft hasn't translated at AFL level as yet. And so I hope that the club gives him some support, gives him some very clear direction about what their expectations are. And I hope, because let's face it, we've got rid of our midfield coach, so that he was obviously not good chop. So I hope whoever comes in in the midfield next year is able to extract the talent from Chase that, that Hamish saw in him. Um, but at the oh, moment... We, we actually... We did get a glimpse of it in that Bulldogs game last year, and we got a, a good glimpse of it. And so, oh yeah, so it's it's latently sitting there. It's just not coming out at the moment. 
Yeah, whether he's overthinking. Uh, at there were, Earlier in the year, there were times where I thought he was overthinking, whether he had too many instructions going on in his head. Um, you know, he wasn't confident enough to use his own initiative. Um, so, I don't, know, I don't know. Maybe a different voice um, might help him. I'm not, I'm not sure. Um, what, about, what about McHenry thing? Well, I mean, I don't want to go into the whole squad. We've already, we're just about running out of time, and we did spend a lot of time talking about those lads uh, in our uh, draft thing, and we'll probably spend a bit of time talking about other players in the squad over the coming weeks. Um, okay, fair enough. But, but my only comment about McHenry is I, I can't see where he fits into the team. I just I don't know where he fits into the team, Mac. Either, either do I. That, that's why I asked the question. Yeah, I, I just uh, considering the talent that's going to come into this team over the next twenty-four months. Where does McHenry fit? He's not a small forward. We have got small forward. He's, he, he's, he could he's be a, he's Luke the Brown. midfielder, but we've already got them in Laird and Crouch. He's not big enough for that at AFL level, in my opinion. Nick, no. He, see, Caleb Daniel has shown that uh, a similar size player, as good as Caleb was, he he struggles in that position, you know, and he's been used off and up forward uh, as a consequence. I I don't see a spot for Ned, unfortunately. No, I can't either. You know, and um, you know, we've got Murphy in the wings as well um, who hasn't played for a few weeks uh, and he'll probably stay on the list. So, I don't know, there's a bit yeah. to play out. But anyway, that was the tail of the tape uh, with the Richmond uh, game. Uh, it's the end of the season. It's the first time we've finished last obviously um first time we've had a crack at pick one but i tell you what the last block of games the last you know probably since the geelong game as you pointed out last week mac it's been very positive um it's certainly not i'd rather be us than north melbourne at the moment that's for sure um, oh shit God, yes you know, a lot to look forward to uh the club looks to be rejuvenating off the field we've had mick godden and benny hart um told that they wouldn't be continuing uh, we've also had Brent Riley told that he wouldn't be remaining on as um, a line coach. Now we get to see whether um, how many coaches will actually be in the coaching box next season, um, given the the changes and COVID and soft caps and all the rest of it. But the club is well, obviously I, very keen I, I to rejuvenate that coaching panel. Well, I think you know, they'll cut down on, on numbers in various places, but I would expect you would have a forward coach, a mid coach, and, and a defence coach, um, and uh, you know, and maybe we may have Neil Barm sitting around the place there as well in, in an advisory capacity in some capacity. Well, that's a that's a, that's a big spend. That's a big spend because you would think that if Nick's and and I've got to say, Matthew Nix has filled me with confidence because uh, by all reports, it was. Uh, a, like Mick Godden said in his interview this afternoon that it was Nixie that told him um, and he was very straight and Godden um, described Nixie as a man's man who will look you in the eye and tell you straight and I like that and I just feel like uh, Matthew's been given a bit of licence at the club and between him and Adam Kelly I think they're slowly rejuvenating uh, the place down there putting their own stamp on things I get the impression that maybe Andrew Fagan and uh, Rashido might have just taken a little step back, and given Kelly yes. and Nick, given Kelly and Nick some space to develop a new team and a new team culture and all that sort of stuff. The, yeah, the right thing to do. Absolutely. Well, yeah, what, what, credit, what, credit but to there is, we talk about Neil Baum, and I just wonder whether he might be 
coming into that situation and taking over from Rue in that situation as the, well, the, the football director. Do you know what, Mako, I reckon will happen? I reckon Rashudo will be Chapman's replacement, and I think you're right. Barmy will go in as football director. Whether whether he wants a board position or not, I'm not sure, but I think he'll be in that chain somewhere at Rue's expense. I think Rue will end up being Chappie's replacement, uh, and Barmy will be his replacement either on the board as director of footy or reporting to the board in that capacity, if you know what I mean. If you, if you heard what Chapman said about that the replacement exists already and he described the attributes that that person has, mm. I, I don't think they fit uh, Rue. I don't believe in anything Chapman says. <laughs> Fair enough, I'm only repeating what he said. No. And we'll, Experience at the end of, tells us that. At the end of the day, it's not Chapman's decision. Chapman doesn't get to appoint the new chairman. Uh, well, it, it's been appointed by, would it be appointed by the board in, in totality, exactly. yes. Exactly. And it's got to be ratified by the AFL as well. So, and uh, um, the bloody magic's the same as me. He, he says it doesn't mean like it's, like it's through. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, in any event, I think Rue will take a bit of a back seat, uh, and I think he'll need to. If Neil Barn comes into the club, um, and the whispers are getting a little bit louder on that one, if if Neil Barn, Neil Barn comes into the club, the place ain't big enough, or the the footy operations isn't big enough for Rashido and Neil Barn. And Neil Barn, and Neil Barn would come in and say, "Rue, pardon my French, but fuck off." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I think that's exactly how he put it. Either yeah. he's been. Uh, associated with three clubs very successfully, and uh, uh, I, I think he'd be the right man for us in that role. Uh, but as a footy director, yeah. Well, and let's not forget, he's a very astute footballer. I mean, he might have been a bit of a meathead when he was a player, but he was an excellent coach at Norwood um, yeah. when the SANFL was a very high standard. You know, he was an excellent coach at Norwood before he went back to Victoria, and. Almost every situation that Barmy's been involved with, he's had success. So that's the kind of person you want around the club. Absolutely. And, and for a bloke like Michael Aish to come out, Michael Aish hasn't... I've not heard from Michael Aish for about 10 years. And all of a sudden, Michael Aish is bobbing up on the radio saying he reckons Barmy's across the line or, you know, warming to it or I forget the words exactly... But for Michael Aish, who's not got, a, not got any skin in the game, no media presence whatsoever, to come out and say that, that, that gives me an indication that it's very much in the frame and it would be a fantastic coup for the club, in my opinion. One of the reasons why it's a big possibility is on a half-time, part-time job at Richmond now. He's no longer the football director yeah, there. Yeah. Uh, and uh, his wife comes from South Australia and would like to come back to South Australia. And as you know, always look look for the woman. If the woman wants to go home, the player goes. Yeah. And so yeah. I reckon Barmy will come. Yep. No, I agree with you. I, I, I think we can put the Crowcast rubber stamp on that. Uh, Barmy will be there. So, look, things are looking up. You're talking about Barmy. You're talking about Adam Kelly. You're talking about Matthew Nix. Talking about a rejuvenated coaching list. And there's some good coaches to pick from you got Dean Solomon's around um, I don't reckon Port will be able to hang on to all their assistants so there might be a possibility of getting um, oh, what's the guy from WA um, um, starts with an S oh. Schofield 
Schofield, who I really rate. Uh, it'd be it'd be great to extract Schofield out of Port Adelaide. Uh, there's a few other uh, really good assistants. Uh, I think um, the forward coach from GWS, what's his name, the ex Melbourne player. Oh, I know he had talked about. Never... Brad, um, Brad, Brad Green was it? Green, well, Green, Brad Green was a forward. No, someone will tell us in the chat. And play for Melbourne, yeah. All that, all that. But I think, I think that you know, Nick's is going to pick his own men, and he's been allowed to pick his own own men. And I, w- I would bet Brad Miller it is. Thank you, Brad PJ. Miller, right. I, I would bet money that he has already got his three uh, assistants already okay. selected, and he obviously can't announce them because perhaps one or two of them may, may be playing in finals. He'll be involved. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's looking really good for the club. Uh, it's exciting, you know. We've, you know, we're pretty upbeat com- considering we just finished bottom for the first time. But you know, <laughs> well, I think we, prob- one. we we bottomed out probably uh, two thirds of the way through the se- me through the season. But the last third of the season has been positive on the field, positive off the field. It's going to be fascinating to see the strategy of the club heading into trade week. Uh, with Brad Crouch to play out and a couple of others maybe. Um, and then we've got the, the draft and whether we try to uh, trade into 2021 or whether we use our picks, um, who we pick up from NGA and our, and our father-sons and all that sort of stuff with Borlase and Newchurch and uh, what happens with um, Luke Edwards. Uh, there's so much mm-hmm. to play out. Some really good local talent in the mid midsection of the draft this year. So it's an exciting time. And you know what, Macca and Nicky? We'll be back next week. We'll be back next week, all the way through the finals, all all the way through. Um, oh, actually, no, we're going to have this Sunday off because there's no footy, so we're going to have oh, this good, Sunday cause... off. Why don't we do it Tuesday? No, I don't. I can't do Tuesdays, so we'll continue on a <laughs> Sunday night. But we'll have this Sunday off for those listening, uh, and then we'll be back on the Sunday of the first week of the finals to talk briefly about the finals games and also anything that's been going on at Crowland. And then uh, after the GF, we'll probably know what's happening with Draft and Trade Week and uh, we'll be able to schedule those in. But uh, we'll be right amongst it, Maka and Nikki. Yep, and as you say, I reckon this is... The, we're, well, we had a lousy start of the year. The season yep. finished okay. And we're going to have a really exciting uh, interlude between now and next year. And getting ourselves to be a com- at least a competitive team next year, and I think it's going to be quite exciting. I- I'm with you. I'm really excited about it. Yeah, agreed, agreed, agreed. Well, thank you to everyone who has uh, joined us tonight. It's been a good chat. Um, it's been great to see everyone joining on Facebook and YouTube and Twitch and Discord, of course. Uh, so, as I said, we'll take uh, next Sunday off so you can all have a breather. Um, and then we'll be back uh, the following Sunday, which will be uh, the Sunday of the long weekend, I believe. Um, and we'll be talking about uh, the finals, etc. Until then, Macca and Nikki, uh, thank you very much for your company this evening. Pleasure. You're welcome. And uh, hang on, what am I? And uh, yeah, thanks to everyone who's joined us on Discord. Don't forget you can follow us on Patreon. Uh, go to aflcrowcast.com and uh, that's it. That's all I've got. Yep, Good night, no everyone. Problem.